in the midst of a verse-by-verse study in the book of James. And I hope that you've enjoyed it because it's been so practical. Like the stuff that we've been talking about are really practical. You know, I love to say all the time, you know, Jesus makes life better, makes you better at life. And so this series, I feel, has really been kind of fleshing out the difference Jesus makes in our life, how he makes life, how he makes us better at life. And, and so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about our words and how we talk to people and, and really thinking about our speech. And, and, uh, and then last week, we talked about heavenly wisdom, right? What, is it, what does it mean for us to manifest like God's wisdom in our life? And what does that look like? And today, we're going to talk about how not to fight so much. We're going to talk about, right, that's the, I'm sure none of you guys ever have arguments. You never have conflicts with anybody. You all just go and you just sow peace wherever you go, just like peace breaks out wherever you are. Uh, the reality is, you know what, it's, it's, it's hard and in some ways in our culture it almost seems like it's getting harder to be a peacemaker. You know, it just seems like, like conflict and fights and arguments is just so easy to fall into. I, I through the years, have spoken to many married couples who were having a hard time. And I would say the overwhelming majority, whatever it is that's going on, it kind of comes down to, like, we fight all the time. We just are constantly fighting. We go from, like, zero to 60 in three seconds. And we don't, we don't know. We get in the midst of these fights. We don't know how to stop it. We don't know how to kind of pump the brake. Uh, I've spoken to parents who said with their teenagers or their young adults that there's just like their relationship is in a perpetual state of conflict, you know, that it just seems there's always tension. There's everything kind of turns into a fight. Uh, maybe you have that with your, with your siblings. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who just, you've got that one brother or that one sister where you're just always fighting. Maybe your, your workplace is, yeah, everybody's kind of at each other's throat. And, and, you know, maybe you're thinking about like going off of Zoom and, and going back to in-person meetings, you know, in-person work. And it's not COVID you're worried about. It's like your horrible coworkers, whoever you, you know, everybody's just fighting all the time. Well, in this passage, James is talking about how we can end arguments. How we can, like the Bible says, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. And so, so that's what this verse is. Like, what can we do to sow peace? What can we do, like, to, to see less conflict in our life? And so, so what James is going to do here in James chapter 4, verses 1 to 10, he's going to kind of talk about, about the cause, and then he's going to talk about the cure. He's going to talk about why it is we fight so much. And, uh, and then he's going to talk about what, what we can do about that. And, and so in order for you to get the most out of this message that you can get, for, I think for God's word to kind of come alive to you and, and to really have the impact on your life that, that, I, that, I, that I know it could have, I want you to think about the person in your life that you have the most conflict with. The most conflictual relationship, you know, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your, your spouse, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a friend, whoever it is the person that you fight with the most, dial that person up and think about that person. And I think it's going to really help you to apply this message in really practical ways that can make a difference in your life. Okay, so James chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. 
You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he's caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace? That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning, you joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So there's a lot. This is a, this is a jam-packed 10 verses. We're going to zero in on, on how we can apply what James is saying here to our relationships. And so the very first thing is, is what causes arguments? So, so you'll notice you know, on our app, if you haven't downloaded the app, I would encourage you to do so. You can get our, our fill-in-the-blank notes every single week. If you don't have the app for whatever reason, you can just use your, you can use your phone and scan the QR code as you come in, and then everything you need for Sunday morning will pop up right, right there on your phone. Uh, but I would just encourage you to, to, uh, to follow along and, and fill in the blanks. You'll have all the Bible verses, everything right there. And so, so James 4.1, it says, what, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And so what James says is the reason that we have fights is because we have conflicting desires, right? Because you're in close proximity with someone and you have wants and desires and they have wants and desires and they butt up against each other, right? Our wants and desires kind of get in the way of each other and that causes fights. This definitely shows up in marriages and, you know, you've got people who are living together whose lives are intertwined and connected but they're different people with different wants and desires. And there are these like three stages that go on with marriage. The first stage is the honeymoon phase where it's like, this is great. Everything's wonderful. The second phase is, oh my gosh, what have I done? I've made a horrible mistake. You know, we're all, you know, just the fights, the, the conflicting desires start showing up. And so fights happen and it's difficult. But then hopefully you move into the third stage, the let's make a deal stage, where you kind of figure out how to talk about things and how to collaborate and how to handle the arguments that arise because of your conflicting desires. Now, the Bible in this passage, and I think in some other places, kind of makes it clear what the three basic needs that we have or three basic desires that we have that can get us in trouble. Now, none of these desires, maybe the third one a little bit, but the first two definitely, they're not wrong in and of themselves. But the problem is, is when we end up like putting these desires, we start making them the most important thing in our life. We start putting them ahead of people. And so let me just walk through. What we're going to do is walk through the three primary desires that we all deal with and then, and then what God says, like how we deal with it, what we do about it. And so the first is the desire to have. The desire to have, James 4.2, you desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. So God created things to be used and enjoy, right? We're to, we're to use things and love people. The problem that we get into is when we reverse that, when we love things and we use people to get more things, right? To manipulate and to, and to kind of force people to give us what we want. Now, Gallup has been doing polls for as long as I've been, you know, pastoring, uh, talking about why marriages break up. And consistently, for the last 30 years, maybe even longer, the number one reason why marriages break up, uh, the number one reason why marriages break up is because people are fighting over money. It's because of the, the desire to have, 
the desire to have stuff. So maybe, you know, I remember this one, this one couple that are no longer together, uh, and I remember that the husband had this thing where, where he had a secret credit card that his wife knew nothing about so that he could just kind of buy whatever he wants and purchase things and do things and never have to explain, never have to talk about it. Well, she found out this credit, you know, he had, I think he ended up having a couple of these credit cards and, uh, and they were all maxed out and it caused serious financial, you know, problems and, you know, it kind of led to them getting a divorce. Um, you might have a marriage where you've got one person who's kind of a shopaholic, who's, con- who's running up the credit cards and just is not being, you know, is not willing to live on a budget and it causes fights, it causes conflicts, it causes problems. You might have a couple that they, they both are just kind of in on, on living beyond their means. And so they have too much house. They go on these elaborate vacations. They drive too much car. Their you know, lease payments are really expensive. And so what that does is it just creates all sorts of pressure, all sorts of, of weight on your relationship, and it leads to fights. It leads to conflicts. Uh, someone asked Howard Hughes, the eccentric, famous billionaire, how much does it take to make a man happy? And what he said is just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. That's why Jesus told us over and over again, he said, life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions, right? It is, a, it is a whole. If you're trying to get your needs met by what you have, if you're materialistic, you need to deal with that because it is something that no matter how much you have, no matter how much stuff you have, it will never be enough. And not only is it a hole that you can never fill, it is also something that will lead to conflict, something that will lead to fight, something that will lead to problems. The second desire that we have is the desire to feel. I want to feel good. I want to feel comfortable. I want to satisfy my senses. I want to experience pleasure. James 4.3, it says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so if we're constantly chasing after things that will give us pleasure, if that is the primary purpose in our life, like we want to, we want to feel good, we want to be comfortable then you know what? It says in 1 Timothy 6, 17 that God made everything for our pleasure, so God wants us to enjoy things. But if that becomes the highest thing that you're living for, if that becomes what your life is about, the problem is when it comes to relationships is that your comfort is going to kind of come right up against the comfort of the people that you live with or the comfort of the, the people who are closest to you. And so if, if the number one thing in your life is your comfort, then your desire for comfort and pleasure is going to lead to fights. It's going to lead to conflicts because, because you know what? Your, your comfort is going to kind of butt up against their comfort from time to time. Now, there's another piece to this, though, that causes fights, that causes problems, that comes to our, our desire for pleasure, and that's addiction. You know, so, so there might be something in your life that, that's pleasurable. So you do it once and, and the serotonin gets released in your brain and you like it and then you do it again and 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 again and again and again and again and that those addictions cause all sorts of problems in our lives. Some of you are addicted to your phones. Like seriously, like how many, how many of us have had conversations with someone where you're talking face to face with someone but that person's just looking at their phone the whole time? I mean, sometimes I want to just kind of like cover the screen or say, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? You know, some of you, you know, they've, they've studied and they've shown that like there are chemical releases. Like when you're, you get a hit when you see that people like your Instagram post or when people watch your TikTok video or, or retweet you or whatever it is, you get a hit. 
And so you get addicted to your phone and you just got to kind of know what's going on. And, and so I've had so many people lately, it seems that it's a, when couples come into my office to talk about how their relationship's kind of, you know, going bad, I'm hearing quite a bit, he's on his phone all the time. He just never gets off of his phone. He's addicted to his phone. He's addicted to that game. He's addicted to whatever. It's becoming more and more of an issue. You know, maybe some of you, you can't get through dinner with your family or go out to eat. You ever go to a restaurant and you see people together, they're having like a nice meal, everybody's on their phone because we're addicted to our phones. Maybe there's, you know what, maybe you're addicted to alcohol. Maybe, you know, it's time for you to say, hey, there's something going on here. Maybe it you know, used to be like a glass of wine that you'd have at night just to kind of relax, but now it's like three or four glasses of wine. Maybe it's a whole bottle. And the thing is, if you're starting now to get into the grips of an addiction, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause problems in your relationships. And so maybe someone here, you've had some, the people in your life have been saying, hey, you're drinking too much. Hey, you're taking that pain medication too much. Hey, what about, you know, what's, what's going on here? And you get defensive and you kind of fight back. It causes conflicts. It causes problems. I wonder if there's maybe somebody that I'm talking to just, uh, just this morning where last night you had a fight with your spouse or you had a fight with someone where they were concerned that something in your life is becoming, is becoming an addiction. And you're like, no, it's not. It's fine. It's nothing to worry about. Maybe it is. Maybe the fact that I'm talking about that this morning and you're here or you're watching the live stream is God like trying to get your attention. There's something going on in your life that if you don't come to God and if you don't get set free, it's going to cause more and more and more problems and it's going to show up as conflict in your life. The third is the desire to be. The desire to be, this is about pride. Right? This is about, you know, uh, uh, living life on a, on a, on a me first basis. We see uh, little kids all the time. You know what? Like if you go to the, if you go to the pool, the public pool, you hear, watch me, daddy, watch me, daddy, watch me, watch me. And then they jump in or they go underwater or whatever it is. We do the same thing. Right? We're just a little more subtle about it. But how much of our life is about, it's watch me. Watch me with the, the clothes that I have, the designer labels I have. Watch me. Look at the car that I drive. You know, uh, uh, watch me by, by just kind of being the center of attention and sucking up all the oxygen in the room, that everything has to be about me. Pride manifests in, in our life in all sorts of different ways, and pride leads to fights. Proverbs 10.13, couldn't say it any clearer. Pride leads to arguments. Pride leads to arguments. There's all sorts of ways that it can show up. You know, maybe we're, we're too proud to compromise. Our, our attitude is like, it's my way or the highway. Or we don't want to give in. We don't want to lose. Have you ever had that where, where you're, you're in an argument with somebody, you're fighting with someone, and then all of a sudden you realize that they're right and you're wrong? It just kind of dawns on you. Like they bring something up and you're like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. Now, last week when we were talking about heavenly wisdom, we talked about being submissive, which means in that moment, you're able to say, hey, I, I see your point now. I, I, I get it. But that's really hard for us to do. And the reason that's hard for us to do is because of pride. And so something happens. Listen, I, I'm not proud. <laughs> you know, there were times in my life where I'd be in that moment. And then what I would do when I kind of realized I was wrong, I would double down. Or the other thing that we do is then we go into ad hominem attacks. You know, we stop talking about the issue and we start attacking the person. This is all a manifestation of pride. And James here is kind of telling us a little bit more about the root of pride, really where it comes from. James chapter 4, verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask God. 
And so he says that like your pride kind of manifests itself by the fact that you don't ask God for stuff, right? We're supposed to have this dependent relationship with God where he's kind of the center of our life. And if we have a need, if there's something that we need, rather than trying to fulfill our needs ourselves, we come to God and we say, God, I ask you to, to meet all of my needs. Now, the problem is if we don't do that, and the reason we don't do that is because of pride. Because we think like, oh, I can handle life on my own. I can, I can get what I need. I don't need God. But that's actually pride. And what's going to happen then is that it's gonna, you're going to start manipulating other people. You're going to start trying to get what you need from other people. We need to understand that God is committed to meeting our needs. Not necessarily all of our wants, but our needs. And so if we really believe Philippians 4.19, where it says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If we really believe that, then all the things that we're talking about, you know what, the, the desire to have, the desire to feel, the desire to be, all of those root things that cause conflicts, if we really understand that God is committed to meeting all of our needs. It kind of takes the edge off of our life. And we don't have to fight. And we don't have to quarrel. And we can experience more of God's peace. Less worry. Less to argue about. I love the old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. It says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And so the, the reason we have conflicts, according to James, is our desires that are out of control, right? Our desire to, to have, our desire to feel, our desire to be. So what do we do with it? And I think James gives us some suggestions about what we should do, how we should respond in the next, in the next verses. The first is we need to give in to God. Give in to God. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God. And so we simply give our life over to God. We let him be God. We put him in control. We put him in the center. This is where real life starts. This is where the abundant life that God has for you begins. It starts with submitting yourself to God. The reason we have conflict with other people is because we have conflict going on inside of us. Listen, there, you know what? Maybe you're, the, the way that God is trying to get your attention right now is that you just, like, there's conflict. There's a lot of conflict in your life. There's conflict with your spouse. There's conflict with your kids. There's conflict wherever you turn. Maybe the reason you're having all of that conflict is because, as it says in James 4, verse 1, that you have these desires that are raging out of control within you. See, what you need, if you're going to have peace on the outside of your life, you need peace on the inside of your life. And the only way that you can get peace on the inside of your life, peace on the inside, peace in your heart, peace of mind, is that you submit yourself to God. If we're going to have peace on the outside, we need peace on the inside. What it really comes down to is who's in charge of your life. See, if you're in charge of your life and you've got to kind of make things happen, then when you want something or you feel that you need something and somebody's getting in the way of what you want, then what you have to do, because you're the one in charge, you've got to fight back. You've got you to do whatever it takes to get what you want. But if God is in charge of your life, if you have really submitted your life to Jesus, then if somebody's blocking your will 
And you pray and you say, God, I, I think this is something that I need, but I'm going to leave this in your hands. It kind of totally takes the edge off. You don't have to fight. You don't have to push. You can just kind of state what you want. You can state what you need. But if that person's like, nope, this is, this is what I think, this is what I'm going to do, then you know, right, that God causes all things to work together for good. And so you're like, okay, well, if this person, I think we need this, but if this person's kind of blocking it, God's going to have another way to get me what I need. And so you don't have to go nuclear. You don't have to fight. You don't have to quarrel. You don't have to argue because you know that God is committed to meeting all of your needs because he's in the center, because he's the one who's in charge. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. See, when we have that peace, when we know, when we're submitted to God, and we know ultimately that God is in charge, that we don't have to be in charge, we've surrendered to him, that will manifest, that will show up in your life as peace. A peace that passes all understanding, and it's going to mean that there'll be more peace in your relationships. I remember early in, early in my marriage, we've got Norm and I have our 30th wedding anniversary coming up next week. And so early in our marriage, and even, thank you, thank you. So Norm and I, like when we were engaged, we, did, we, used, to, we used to have these like horrible fights. He's like knocked, because we're both very opinionated. We're both verbal. We both, you know, we, we just kind of like, you know, we kind of like to argue. I remember when we were in premarital counseling, we would just fight in premarital counseling. And so the pastor who was going to, who performed our wedding, we got to like the third or the fourth session. And he's like, are you sure you guys want to do this? <laughs> he, he said, he said, I got to tell you, these sessions kind of cause me stress because you guys just fight all the time. And I'm just, and we're like, yeah, no, we're good. It's just kind of what we do. Um, but what I would say, though, is that over the last 30 years, as Norma and I have progressively, like we've just like put Jesus more and more in the center of our life, that we've just like deepened our surrender to him. We're, I'd say we're at the point, you know, and it's been this progression over the last 30 years. It's made all the difference. Where now it's like we're able to collaborate. We're able to talk through things. We're able, we don't have to go nuclear. We don't have to kind of go at it. And it has everything to do with putting Jesus at the center. The second thing that we need to be aware of that James reminds us of is don't forget that we're in a spiritual war. James 4, verse 7, the second half says, draw near to, it says, it says, uh, the first part says, submit yourself to God, and then it says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so we need to remember that we're in a spiritual war. And the word resist is a war term. It, it means like dig in, like get ready for the assault, get ready for the attack. And so what James is saying in the context of conflict, in the conflict of relationships, is you need to understand, you need to be ready, because Satan is going to come after your marriage. Satan is going to, he wants that primary relationship. If you're married, he wants you guys at each other's throats. He wants to put enmity between you and your children. He does not want your children to receive a blessing from you. He doesn't want, he wants there to be contention. He wants there to be fights in your relationship with your children. He doesn't want any joy in that. He wants you to be alienated and estranged from your parents. What he wants you to do is he wants you to focus on all the things your parents didn't do for you and never think about what your parents did do for you because there's so many blessings that come in honoring our parents. He doesn't want you to receive any of those blessings. He doesn't want you to have a best friend. 
He doesn't want you to have that friend where you guys finish each other's sentences and you so enjoy being together. He wants your workplace to be a place of contention, a place of anger, a place of strife. He, that's what he wants. The reason that he wants that is because God loves you and he hates God and therefore he hates you. And he doesn't want you to have any life-giving relationships in your life. He comes to rob, he comes to kill, he comes to destroy. And it says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, in order that Satan might not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes. Now listen, how does Satan attack us? See, the problem is, like, we think it's like, you know, maybe you saw The Exorcist back in the 70s, and you're like, my head's going to spin around and pea soup and levitating, and you know what? Listen, that, like, that, that, that's real. That stuff happens. But that's not the normal way that Satan attacks us. But we want to be aware of his schemes. What he usually does is he tries to mess up relationships. Because, you know, I mean, I, I can go back. God is a trinity, and he's relational, and we're made in his image, and relationships are such a big deal, right? And so he knows, like he knows you. He knows which buttons to push. He knows that thing that can be said that reminds you of what your older brother said to you every, you know, when you were 10. He knows. And he doesn't fight fair and he pushes those buttons. He especially knows how to kind of get you going on your wounded pride. Like he knows, like the button to push, the thing, the thing to have someone say, you know, that, and he whispers in your ear and it's like, you can't let them get away with that. Who do they think they are? You need to stand up for yourself. You need to put them in their place. You need, see, this is, this is what Satan does. He's really good at it. And so what we need to do is we need to recognize the devil's schemes, right? We need to be aware of his schemes. And when you're in that, in that place where you're starting to go down the road with your spouse, with your child, whoever it is, that you realize that, hey, the enemy is here and the enemy is pushing buttons and he's trying to rob, kill, and destroy, you need to resist. You need to stand up and say, not today, Satan. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. How do we resist? We resist the same way Jesus resisted. Quoting scripture is the way to do it. This is a good verse to have memorized. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so when you feel that heat, when you feel that happening, you just say, no, I resist you, Satan. In Jesus' name, I command you to go. And the word of God says you must flee. Or you take that verse, what is it, Proverbs 13, 10. You know, you memorize that one, which says pride leads to arguments. Or you memorize 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. Philippians 2, 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same, same mindset as Christ Jesus. There's a million of them. And you memorize them. When the devil comes, you're aware of his schemes and you resist. Because if you don't, the devil's going to attack and attack and attack and attack and then maybe completely blow up your marriage or completely alienate you from your kids or give you an ulcer or, or make you be alone or whatever it is. I remember, you know, a few years ago, Norm and I got into just one of those arguments and it was like, it, you know how these, you know how a lot of times these things happen? Like, you don't, you don't like drive home from work being like, I know what I want to do tonight. I want to have a horrible fight that's just going to, I just want to spend the next three hours bringing up everything over the last, you know, however many years. You don't, you know, you, you end up like almost like falling into a trap. You know how it is? And it's like, how do we, how do we get here? Where did this come from? And so we're in the middle of it. I mean, it's getting bad, right? I, I don't, you know, it's getting, and it's like, we're starting to bring stuff up from the past and it's just kind of getting hotter and hotter. And then my wife, I remember she said, she stopped. She had this moment of sanity and she said, this is the devil. 
Like, this is the devil. The devil's attacking us right now. And we actually, in that moment, like, we stopped and we prayed. And we prayed together. And then do you know what happened? It's like it lifted. We're just like, like, honestly, we couldn't remember what started the fight. Like, you ever have that? We're just like, what did we first start? Because it leads to this, that, and the other thing. But it clearly was a demonic attack. And we stopped and we prayed and we resisted the devil. The Bible says that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. Amen? And we've got to start learning. We've got to know the devil's schemes. And we've got to start learning how to resist him in these relationships. Learn how to resist the devil in your marriage. Learn how to resist the devil in the way he wants to alienate you from your kids or the way he wants to alienate you from your parents or the ways that he wants to blow up friendships or whatever it is or the way he wants to blow up churches. I mean, how many church splits have happened because God's people didn't, they weren't aware of the devil's schemes and they didn't know how to resist the devil, right? And so we need to understand that we're in a spiritual war. The last thing is this, be willing to ask for forgiveness. Be willing to ask for forgiveness. James 4, 8, 8, 9, and 10, it ends with this kind of intense stuff. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. So our hands represent our actions. Our heart represents our attitudes. And I think what this is saying is don't minimize what you've brought to the table here. Like, understand, if you have conflict with someone, understand, you know, it takes two to tango, Right? I mean, you got to understand like what you bring to the table. You got to really think about your pride. What is it that you wanted, you know, that, that you needed to have? Or how were you not thinking about that person's feelings or trying to understand their perspective? You need to understand what you've brought to the table and you need to feel bad about it, right? You need to repent. You need to, you know, let's go back and think about that person that I asked you to think about in the very beginning of this message. Who's that person that you have the most conflict with in your life? What does it mean for you now, right? As much as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. So what would God have you do? And it's probably going to involve you going to that person and asking for forgiveness. That is hard to do. That is not an easy thing to do, especially maybe it's the kind of situation where, you know, there's conflict that's there and you kind of feel like I'm responsible for 5% of it and they're responsible for 95% of it. Well, then you know what? You need to deal with your 5% and you need to give God the other 95%. That's really hard, right? So maybe you'll go and you say, hey, listen, we've, we've had this thing going on and I just want you to know I am really sorry for my part. I am really sorry for the pride that I've had in my life and how it's kind of messed up this relationship. I'm really sorry for the times that I didn't take your feelings into account. I'm sorry for how I was maybe sometimes just thinking about what I wanted, not thinking about what, what you needed. That's hard, right? I mean, it's really hard when you feel that like it's 5% that you're responsible for and they got 95%, and so you do that, and then they just kind of look at you and go, good. <laughs> you ever have that happen? It's like, it's like, okay, now it's your turn. No, no, good, thanks, thanks. No, that's, all right, all right. Glad you see that finally. That's hard. That's not an easy thing to do. But you know what? What it says, what it says uh, in James 4.10, it says, humble yourself before the Lord, and he's going to lift you up. And that's the thing. You know what? This is one of those verses where humble yourself before the Lord. Like, memorize that verse, because God will give you dozens of opportunities every single day to put that into practice, especially when it comes to some relationships. 
And so maybe some of you right now, like, you're, like, you know, again, think about that person that I wanted you to dial in on. What would God have you do? Because I think that, you know, as, as a follower of Jesus, he would have you take the first step. He would have you kind of open up, <clears throat> open up that door a little bit. And maybe what you need to do is, is make a phone call. Maybe you need to kind of go old school and write a letter, right? If you, write, like if you actually write a letter, they're going to be like, man, this is serious. What's going on here? Maybe you need to ask someone for coffee, but you need to take that step and just know that as you humble yourself before the Lord, he'll lift you up. And so, so what's this saying to you right now? Like, what is God trying to say to you? Maybe it's about that one relationship and God's telling you something that you need to do. I heard from somebody, I heard from somebody recently, he was in uh, my, alpha, my alpha group, and someone who's kind of new to faith, finding life with God, and, and so she said, she'd ask God, she said, she said, um, she said, I really want to hear God's, I really want to hear your voice, I want you to speak to me. And so the first time God ever spoke to her was God saying, you need to forgive your ex-husband who abandoned your family 16 years ago. And she's like, God, anything else, God? <laughs> Any... Maybe something about how you love me and about this, you know, something like, you know, I could put on like my, my refrigerator. Um, and so she had an opportunity at, at, a, at, a, at a family, you know, where they have kids and at a, at a thing. And so she did it. She did it. Now, you know, I, she just was sharing with us and it was just beautiful. Like she did this really, really hard thing. And then he just kind of looked at her and was like, all right. <laughs> but what she said was she felt so free. She said, I feel like I'm like 100 pounds lighter. See, God, God wants us free. He wants us free. Whom the Son has set free is really free. And if you take that step and you ask for forgiveness and you, you, do, you, know, you do what God's calling you to do, it's going to result in freedom in your life. I just wonder, you know what, maybe it is. Maybe God is like speaking to you about your desires when it comes to materialism. Or, or maybe there is an addiction. You know, maybe there is something. I just, I've just felt like as I've been preaching this message this morning and I got one more, I just think, you know, I'm going to be talking to people, whether here in the room or out there, that there's something going on in your life that's getting dangerous, that you need to deal with. And, and maybe one of the ways that it's, it's becoming aware is, you know, you're becoming aware of it is that the people in your life are bringing it up and you're being defensive and you're like, no, 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 I can handle this, no big deal. Just be open that maybe it is a big deal. And it's something that you need to be set free of. James 4.8, I love this verse. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. See, here's the deal. The purpose of life, like honestly, the purpose, like the reason you exist is so that you would have a relationship with God. So that you would have a relationship with your creator. That you, that's, that's what it's all about, right? And that the most important thing in our life is, is our relationship with Jesus, right? And that, that what we kind of put the most effort in and, and we really focus on and is like the macro kind of thing in our life is our relationship with Jesus. And you see, that's like life doesn't make sense. If Jesus isn't in the center, life doesn't make sense. And maybe some of you, if you were to be really honest, that you just kind of like, you're, you're a Christian, you know, you come to church, but maybe like you're going you're gonna, to like, leave the parking lot today, you're going to drive out, and as you're driving, you're going to wave to Jesus and say, goodbye, Jesus, I'll see you next week. Have a good week, Jesus. That you're not really drawing near to God. 
You're not really hungering for him. And you know what? Listen, there's lots of other things in life that are important, that are good, that we can deal with. But if we're not focusing first and foremost on Jesus, our life is out of balance. We're not living out what it was we were created for, and things aren't going to make sense. And so I wonder, right? There's a, there's a verse in Revelation where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens up the door, I'm going to come in. Now, we, I use that all the time to talk about people beginning a relationship with Jesus, and I think that's a great verse for that. But actually, Jesus was knocking on the door of like, people who were already in church, people who had like, closed their, their hearts and their life to Jesus. And he's like, hey, let me in. And I just wonder, I just think that maybe for some of you, the knocking, Jesus is knocking on your heart, has taken the form of a lot of problems in your relationships that you've been fighting a lot. Like you and your spouse, you just can't get along. You and your fiance, it's just not like you just at each other's throats. You and your kid, whatever it is. And maybe what that is, is Jesus knocking on the door of your heart saying, listen, you don't have me in the center. You don't have me in the center. I'm like, I'm like kind of locked out of your life. Open up the door and let me in. And let me bring in my peace. Let me bring in my forgiveness. Let me bring in my love and then let me give you that peace on the inside, and it'll start manifesting on the outside, and it'll start changing things. And so I just want to encourage, listen, if you're, if you're here and you're listening to this, and you're just like, yeah, I am not drawing near to God. Drawing near to God is not like a description of my day. That's just not something that I do. Draw near to God, He will draw near to you. That's a promise. And so maybe God is just trying to get your attention and saying, hey, put me back in the center. Whatever it was you used to do that made you feel connected with me, do it again. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And again, but maybe, you know, I just got to say this. If there's somebody here listening to this, whether in the room or on the live stream, and you have not yet submitted your life to Jesus, life, again, like what it's all about is that you would be connected with your creator, your father God, through his son, Jesus Christ. And so that's what, like, that's what life is about. That is like the most important thing of life. There's all sorts of other things that are great, but that's really what it's about. And so maybe you haven't done that. You have not opened up your heart and let him in. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And again, maybe there, you know, the knocking has been like the way God is getting your attention is there's a lot of fights. There's, no, there's not any peace. There's a lot of stress. Open up your heart and let Jesus in. Because then what Jesus is going to do is he's going to come and he's going to put his life inside of you, his Zoe life. That's the Greek word for God's kind of life as, a, as opposed to like biological life. There's spiritual life, Zoe life. And so God wants to put his eternal life inside of you. And that eternal life, it starts now changing you from the inside and then it goes on forever and you're transformed, the Bible says, like from glory to glory, forever and ever, but it starts now. You get to experience, so all of your sins are forgiven. You get, to, you get a new start in life. You get God's peace on the inside. You get God's love on the inside, changing you from the inside out with the promise that you will then be with God. This life is going to go on forever and ever and ever and ever. You no longer have to fear death. I mean, what a good deal, right? I mean, honestly, what a good deal, right? Uh, Jesus makes life better, makes you better at life. And so I want, to give, I want to give you an opportunity to pray to accept Jesus right now. So let's all stand and let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit.
God, I bless your presence right now. And Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that your peace would come into this room right now. God, let your peace come in the name of Jesus. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. The peace that passes all understanding. Let it come. More, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. I think some of you right now are just kind of feeling something. It's just kind of like a deeper, like you're breathing a little bit deeper. Just feeling like some some things just kind of come off of you right now. That's the peace of God. It's a thing. It's a gift. It's something He gives us. It's not like we think a certain way or we get, no, 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 it, it comes on us. And so, Lord, I pray for your peace. Just rest on us, God. And I pray, God, that you would make us people of peace. God, that we would that we would give your peace wherever we go. And I just feel that like someone right now, you're thinking about your relationship with your brother. And you're just like, I, I don't I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to fix that. And I just feel like God wants you to know that that He's gonna do a miracle. That He's gonna do a miracle. And it's not something that you could ever fix on your own. But he's going to do a miracle. But it's going to start with you humbling yourself. Humble yourself and he's going to lift you up. The Lord, just pray, God, for your peace. And your mercy to come right now in Jesus' name. More, Lord. I can tell that some of you are feeling the peace of God. That the peace of God is just, I can see it on your faces. I can see it resting on you. I think that God's peace is something like, you know, Satan loves to counterfeit. He can't counterfeit God's peace. There's no other place to get it. There's no other way to experience it other than through the Holy Spirit. So just drink it in. Drink in his peace. feel like he's giving you courage, too. Some of you, he's like giving you courage because you know, like, what that step is for you to humble yourself. And it's scary and it's hard. But just receive right now the courage that God has for you more, Lord. I bless your presence here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that God, you come and you wrap your arms around us and you strengthen us and you help us. We need more, Lord, more of you. And if you have not yet opened the door of your heart to Jesus to let him in, to experience his salvation, to receive that Zoe life, I want, I want to encourage you to do it. I want you to pray this prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. You can just say it in your heart, but say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I've been trying to run my own life, but now I need to submit to you. I believe you died on the cross in my place. I believe you rose from the dead and you're here now. And I ask you to forgive all of my sins and come and live inside of me with your Zoe life. Give me a fresh start 
and give me your love and your peace and your strength on the inside, your peace on the inside. And from here on out, I'm going to follow you because you're my Lord and you call the shots. Just keep your eyes closed, but do me a favor. If you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. If you prayed that prayer this morning, just raise your hand. He said, Jesus, I, I, I want you in. I'm, I'm letting you in. I'm opening up the door. Awesome. And I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. Text follow to 201-584-7188. Do that. And then uh, someone's going to reach out to you and say, how can we pray for you? How can we encourage you? How can we support you? Because what you did is the most important, that really is the most important decision of your life. And we want to support you. We want to help you. God bless you guys. I'm actually going to be away for the next few weeks. Um, But you'll have an opportunity to hear from our incredible staff and just be able to see like how blessed we are, abundance of riches. Uh, People from the prayer ministry team are over here to the right. Just come get some prayer, all right? Especially if you've got one of those like conflictual relationships and you know God is calling you to take that first step. Let somebody pray with you that God God will give you the wisdom that you need. Whatever your needs are, somebody from the prayer team would love to pray for you. God bless you guys. And uh, I'll see you soon.